A'udhu Billahi Minashaytan Irajim Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show on the Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting from the biggest mosque of Europe, the Battle of Two Mosques. The time is four past seven. Dear listener, my name is Shahil Munir Ahmed, and I'm joined here with my co-host and friend and brother Asim Hashmi. Asim, how are you doing? Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you. I'm good by the grace of God and you. Yeah, I'm doing very well. Um, uh, you know, as I always said, I am a weather guy. Depends on the weather. If the weather is fine, I'm fine as well. Okay. And recently, you know, um, I don't. You have realized this as well. Everyone has realized we had a heavy storm. Mm-hmm. I don't deny that. But still, the weather, the temperature was fine, and uh, this is something you know I j- I like. Um, one other thing, you know, uh, awesome. It is January, right? It kind of feels like, kind of feel it's like March already. I mean, you got 13 degree, waffle, and uh, it's a good thing. I mean, it's a good start in the year. What do you think? Well, the start of the year was okay. With uh, was not actually that okay with all that uh, all know, the cold thing. and that you know storm, light snow. So I did uh, personally. I thought we were still in December. You know, it felt like still December. But I guess uh, um, this week and the next weeks are getting better and we're getting um, good temperatures according to UK 12 and 13 degrees. Sure it is. Dear listeners, today, I know it's, uh, we're talking about temperature and we hope about a good day as well, a blessed weekend ahead as well. Um, what we're going to do also in this today's show, as usual, we will have, we have prepared two segments. And spoiler alert, all these two segments will be discussed from the Islamic angle as well. What we want to do is, we want to ask you as well, so you can be a part of the show as well. Anytime, you just need to call in. The number is 0208-687-787. Or you can go on our socials at Voice of Islam UK. So, meanwhile, when you have your breakfast, we're going to present, hopefully, a great show for you as well. So you can enjoy your breakfast and the show as well. And ask them for that. We have, as I said, two segments prepared. Absolutely, yeah. And these are? So the first segment is uh, Teen Sports Sensations, an inspiration for young people around the world. Uh, we will have one caller and we do also have a pre-recording. And then uh, the second segment is um, Why are Gazans extending thanks to South Africa? And for that, we do also have two guests. Perfect. And, dear listener, as I said, while you will have your breakfast, we're going to make sure that you enjoy the show with your breakfast as well. But, awesome, as usual, we talk about news before we come to our first segment. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I was just uh, reading, or not reading, but, yeah, basically looking at our newspapers today, and most of them are actually about an army which should be prepared for... Um, Russian invasion in the UK. So, th- this is like what I just go uh, read. But, of course, you have something else as well for us. To, so, I thought, okay, why not starting with you and then I come with later back and see what Yami and whatever else has to say. Okay. So, uh, we do have a few news. Uh, first one is that uh, tax cut promises may need to be rolled back. IFS think tank. Uh, promises of tax cuts during general election campaigns may have to be rolled back 
as the UK economy faces some of its worst problems since the 1950s, a new report suggests. So tax cuts today add to the risk of tax rises or spending cuts tomorrow, the IFS said. Uh, The IFS is the Institute of Fiscal Studies. The Treasury said growing the economy would deliver sustainable funding. The IFS added labor and the Tories must be honest about a new about the need for more public funding if immigration falls. The Institution of Fiscal Studies, a leading economic think tank, called the issue a fiscal bind. It might be easy to announce immediate tax cuts without any hint or what is the state currently does that will stop doing or what taxes will rise in the future. But this trade-off cannot be wished away, the IFS's report said, adding that it will be more difficult to reduce the debt-to-GDP ratio over the next parliament than in any other parliament since the 1950s. So, well, the IFS has said that, uh, you know, cutting taxes will um, will be bad for the economy uh, since... Um, the worst problem since the 1950s. That was one news. And then another news is that um, the Ukrainian president Zelensky has accused Moscow of playing with the lives of Ukrainian prisoners after a deadly plane crash in Western Russia. He demanded an international inquiry after Wednesday's crash in Bolgorod region near Ukraine's border. Russia said there were no survivors after Kyiv had downed the IL-76 plane with 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war, six Russian crew and three escorts. Moscow claimed the Ukrainians were being flown for prisoner exchange. A Ukraine's military intelligence said it had not been told to ensure as, as safe airspace as on previous occasions. In this video addressed late on Wednesday, President Zelensky said it was obvious that the Russians are playing with the lives of Ukrainian prisoners, with the feeling of of their relatives and with the emotions of the society. So that was news. I mean, we don't really know what happened and who down the plane, but of course, people will accuse each other. I mean, this is how it is, unfortunately. You know, it's a very twisted world and um, we live in an unjust world where we are looking for justice and this is something you if you ask them just realize if everyone acts upon uh, justice yeah <coughs> if everyone is just i mean the whole scenario we see in the world the whole crisis everything will be removed because you know this is what quran says you know allah has spoken about justice various times in the Holy quran but various other topics as well especially also if it comes to uh, disagreement between two nations or a party or people that even there you need to do justice with them as well which means that even if the enemy is not nice to you you should be nice to him and I'm saying this Asim is because you know with justice you, you know you remove all your hatred with justice you know you need to say the truth with justice you show kindness mercy right and this is missing in this world right now what I feel because people are not looking for each other anymore I mean I'm not talking about everyone I'm talking like overall this Mm -hmm. is what the picture of the world is right now the majority majority and this is what we need like you know 
justice is, is the thing that if we implement this in our daily life, I mean, we can change society. This is my belief. And if everyone does this, we can change the whole world. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what God says, you know, the enmity of someone should not um, uh, force you to do otherwise but to do justice to him. Exactly, yeah. And you know, listeners, I said um, that um, in the beginning, I need to correct one thing. I said that uh, uh, Britain has asked for new recruitments from uh, <coughs> the society, from um, for the army, in case that they have to go to war against Russia, not for invasion of Russia, but have to go against uh, Russia. If the actual army will be defeated, then... They need, they need at least 500,000 more people. So, um, you, uh, I don't know, uh, if you read the newspaper, if you have a look on the newspaper, a number of those newspapers are leading what I just said, that the British Army calls for an expanded citizens' army in the event of the UK entering a full-scale war with Russia. I mean, they are unfortunately in war against Yemen and the Houthis. I mean... I'm against war anyways, you know, I, I think diplomatic is the best choice and I'm sure everyone who is an adult can use his words to resolve mm-hmm. crisis and conflicts. <clears throat> PM forced to rule out army draft reports the Daily Telegraph, which says Downing Street didn't want General Sir Patrick Sanders' comments to be made public. It says he wants there to be a shift in the mindset of the British people in which they are mentally prepared for war. The Times says Britain's military leaders are discussing plans to build a force up to 500,000 people. It says Ukraine's war against Russia has convinced them of the need for a secondary fighting force in case the trained military is defeated. Your country will need you to fight Putin, reads the Metro headlines alongside an image of the famous Lord Kitchener recruitment poster from the First World War. Awesome, you might know that poster um, with that per- gentleman with a long moustache and pointing towards the, or towards the person who's looking at the poster and saying that you country needs you. I mean, this is the poster. And I'm, mm-hmm. I was thinking, who is this gentleman on the poster? Now I know it. Um, it uh, it's Lord... Uh, sorry, it's Lord Kitchener. So, someone I will Google after the show for sure, but just carry on. Uh, the other news is that the Daily Mail leads with the response to proposed change to Royal <laughs> Mail's delivery schedule. It describes the regulator's suggestion of cutting deliveries from six days a week to as low as three as a first class fiasco. And the Daily Express also takes up the story, saying the Prime Minister has vowed to prevent any change to the postal service. It quotes Rishi Sunak's comment in the House of Commons, where he said he was absolutely committed to keeping deliveries to six days a week. Rishi Sunak is considering plans to prioritize British workers for social housing, according to The Guardian. It says a consultation on the proposals will be launched in the coming weeks, but once the idea hasn't gone down well with senior members of his government. It's reporting some fear to move. Dubbed British homes for British workers could further fuel support for the reform UK party. And, <coughs> sorry for that, DI newspaper reports the post office knew about problems with another IT system that suffered similar problems to Horizon by recording incorrect financial shortfalls, but prosecuted stuff anyway. It says the capture system was installed in 1995 and that sub 
postmasters have told the paper they were wrongly fired and prosecuted when issue arose. And Paris requested help to EDF, reports the Financial Times. It says France is calling on the UK to plug a multi-billion pound hole in the budget of nuclear projects being built in Britain by the French electricity operator. The Financial Times says the request will likely cause tensions between two countries. <coughs> Asim, you know, um, nuclear war, nuclear th- uh, I mean, we these things, you know, if we go back like 20 years or 25 years, you will be scared to hear these names or yeah, these words. Absolutely. Nowadays, these words are used very regularly. Mm-hmm. In it's, it's like a normal day-to-day routine for these people. <coughs> so, yeah. And uh, the thing is, uh, the the um, sad thing about that is that um, people are now so v- vigilant to use these things because they believe it's going to start. And this is, you know, one point His Holiness has mentioned many, many times as well in his speeches. And he has pointed out the thing which we have just discussed a few minutes ago about justice. Um, this is what we need in this unjust world and to establish a world which is safe, of course, a peaceful world, and that, you know, all this hatred is gone that we don't have any problems, etc. This is what we need. Um, dear uh, listener, the sorry for that. My I know I have a problem with my voice. Um, someone just texted me that I need water. <laughs> so this is what I'm gonna do after the break, uh, during the break. But um, carry on. The Daily Mirror says it has tracked down a surgeon in Turkey who says performed a weight loss operation on London Morgan Ribeiro, who later died after collapsing. On a flight home, the paper says the 20 years old used her own trust fund to pay for a gastric sleeve, adding the surgeon at the private hospital in Istanbul, Dr. Serkan Bayil, has insisted he did not nothing wrong. And also, dear listeners, um, the Daily Mail says that a range of stories lead Thursday front page, which I said the Daily Mail leads with a report on the Royal Mail proposals, which could see postal deliveries cut from six to five days a week, or even as low as three. The main story is next to an image of supermodel Claudia Schiffer with her cat as the pet steals the show at the Argyle World premiere in London Leicester Square following the Philippines starring role in the film. Asim, um, Coming back to one thing, um, what you said today is that about uh, the current situation, about the crisis, because this is something we're gonna discuss in this uh, today's shows as well, especially about the crisis we see in Gaza as well. Um, I said that um, we uh, there are adults, you know, who can use that diplomatic ways to end all of these crises, and I believe in that. I believe that if you t- talk to someone who's not old. He will understand these points as well, easily, more easily than someone who is a child. And it's not a childish game. It's politics is very important. It is shaping the world. And uh, right now, for me, a kind of I have, what I've sent is that the UN and all its world leaders have failed to maintain peace in the society, also for the world. Absolutely. I mean, they probably tried a bit as well, but. Uh I think they probably needed a bigger voice, more more strength in their voice to actually uh, make some changes in the world, you know? 
and, and you know what I felt as also that um you know um they're not brave anymore. You know, for for example, I mean, the strength is gone to call for a ceasefire, to be brave enough to say what is what the truth is. Mm-hmm. Um, we live, as I said, live in the first of all that you know, um, the truth has not been in the front anymore. We need other platforms to find out what actually truth is, and all these you know national television are hiding it. And this is you know you can see how twisted it is that exactly. falsehood is there. And it's hiding the truth. It's, it's so easy in the media to just, you know, spread some false news and, and manipulate people and just not give them the, the correct news. So I think, um, as you've said before, you know, all like all shows and uh, every week that uh, we need to be not selfish. We need to think about other countries, not just our own country and thinking about other countries and think what uh, you know the benefit can be uh, for the whole mankind for the whole world and not just um for yourself indeed i mean this is you know you say that and um, that many times that world leaders have said that for the interest of our national interests we want to do this and this and this i see this is kind of a racism as well that you only talk about your own interests but you forget um, international interest as well. You could forget the other part of the world, which is very big as well. And you know, this is why I say that you come together. We live in this one place, okay? We can call it home, the earth. Now we need to look after our earth, our home. And what, what are we doing is that we are start bombing parts of our home, which is destroying our home and um, the chemistry as well. So, best thing is you, what you can do is. You understand that there are other people living with you in this home as well, and you provide for everyone. This is why I say this is justice, and this is mercy, and this is how you build a society. How you, this is how you build a home. Um, unfortunately, this is not what we see nowadays. But His Holiness Mayala he is known, the listener, as a champion of peace. And there's a book called Pathway of Peace, where his addresses are um, collected together in one book. Uh, where he spoke about peace from the and the thing is from the Islamic perspective from the Islamic teachings from this uh, Holy Quran and people say that he tried to defend Islam but he didn't he gave solution to the Islamic teachings for the world so he was defending world peace from the Islamic teaching and I think you know he people always accuse religion for something but if they look really deep into it religion has nothing to do with that I mean we see the previous wars it's not because of religion. Even this Christ we see in Gaza, it has nothing to do with religion at all. And this is what we discussed today as well. I just want to, you know, prepare our listener. And the listener also, if you want to make your input, if you want to be a part of the show, the number is 0208-687-7878. Or you can go on our social at Voice of UK. Um, the listener, we go for a short break. I have been reminded twice now by my wife and by Kayum, one of our <laughs> listeners to go and have a, uh, a, a cup of water so this is what we're going to do um, and after so we're going for the break I'm going to have my water and after that we'll be back with our first segment Allah. Allah. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. 
In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Dear listeners, welcome back. You're listening to uh, listening to the Breakfast Show on the Voice of Islam Radio. My name is Shahmin Ahmed, and I'm joined here with Asim Hashmi. Gratefully, I had my um, coffee thanks to our technical guy. He just went to the, rushed to the kitchen and made a coffee for me. Um, thanks for reminding us, guys, that I needed water or coffee. Um, Asim, we will surely start with our first segment. This is about sport, it health, is, yes, yes, which is very important. And you know, yesterday, for example. Um, I saw these games. You know, we have the Africa Cup of Nations. We have the Asia Cup. We have the League Cup semi-finals as well. All these people we have seen started from somewhere. Like they started from the bottom, right? Uh, and the dedication they had to be there on the on the pitch, to be a part of the team, shows that they had given many sacrifices for that as well. Because it is not easy. Sometimes you have. Um, to to sacrifice your time as well. You have to sacrifice um, sometimes the time uh, uh, with your family as well. And there's so much pressure as well on your shoulders that because you know you're young, everyone is watching you. One mistake can lead to, to that point that you cannot pursue your career. You cannot become a professional football player or professional sport with man or woman. This is the truth. And we've seen examples of that. We have seen many examples. Yeah. If you look how many... Um, uh, at least, you know, who have been considered as one of the best in their young age, when they became, like, when they got the contract, in the old age, they could not carry on because there are many, many factors as well. You know, we talk about discipline. This is very important, right? You have to be disciplined. You have to be there on time. You have to be on, ta- on bed as well. You have to have um, food, which you have to eat. To Keep con- a proper diet, yeah. Diet as well, which is very difficult. To be honest, so I said, this is like, you know, everything, the, you have, uh, you need an inspiration for that as well. You need to dedication for that as well. And uh, today, the listeners, we're going to talk about these people uh, as well. And we also, from the Islamic angle, because the listeners, you will be surprised, but Islam has talked of these things, which we see nowadays, but these young athletes, also by these professional athletes as well. Um, them, but before we go to the Islamic angle, um, and before you go to the gist of the story. Dear listeners, I'll come back to you. I want to know from you what is this, what sports you do? How do you keep yourself healthy? The number is 028-687-7878 or you can go on our social at Voice of the UK. Let us know your answer. Awesome. I'm handing the mic over to you. What is the gist of the story? So, sir, the gist is that some of this generation's top athletes began their careers during their teenage years. Why is this age such a crucial time for these athletes and other teenagers to take advantage of their youth and get involved in physical activities? Uh, that's the thing. And, you know, um, if you look, look, look if you look now on those professional athletes we have, mm-hmm. no, don't look at the youngsters here. Now let's just look at the professional athletes we have right now. How many of them have started at a young age? We have, for example, play. He is famous. He won three World Cups. He, he the first World Cup he won when he was seventeen. You, you can see, this is you know where he started to play uh, football, or even early. And then we have uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Amazing, yeah. a hardworking personality, right? I mean, from where did he start? He had nothing. He they 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 were. I mean, they literally had nothing, and yet he has one of the biggest hosts, So many money. Some. Cars, extra everything, and it's not like 
he asked it. Now he worked for it as well. And the the list is long, dear listeners. We have, for example, Boris Becker, uh, a German uh, the German tennis player. Uh, he is known for his success in young age, especially uh, in, in the Wimbledon court. I mean, he won so many times there as well. In young age as well. Um, Tom Daly, a British diver, known for winning the gold uh, medal at the Olympics. We have Emma uh, Raducanu, who is also a British tennis player, who made history by winning the US, US Open. We have Sky Brown, a British skateboarder, and he was also one of the youngest Olympic medalists. We have Ronnie O'Sullivan, an English professional snooker player, known uh, for his world championships. My favorite. Your favorite on snooker? Yeah. yeah. He's actually very good. Even though, um, no, this is one thing as well, you know, I'm going to discuss. There are a few things which we call sport, which I don't consider <laughs> a sport, but more like it's a hobby. Okay. And including <laughs> snooker, um, golf as well. I don't want to offend anyone, but this is my own opinion. But we can discuss this as well. Yeah. And then we have Sachin Dendulkar. I mean, I have no idea about cricket, but if I heard the name cricket, there are these names coming in my mind. Sachin Dendulkar, Virat Kohli, and Wasim um, Akram, and uh, Brian Lara. I mean, Imran four Khan. names. Imran Khan. Imran Khan, exactly. I mean, these people, they started from a young age as well. You know, the, the thing is, Asim, in a young age, you can do so many things. You have so much power, right? Energy. You could, like, these people could go uh, at nightclubs. They could party. You know, of course, if they're Muslim, they wouldn't do that. But if their upbringing is different, right? If they're bringing more in the Western society, more about the worldly uh, culture then they would go definitely to do the thing. But because they have to pursue a dream, they sacrifice these things, right? Go bed, uh, go to bed early, have a diet as well. No alcohol, not too much alcohol. For example, Ronaldo, he never had a slip of alcohol because he wanted to maintain his diet, his body, his strength as well. And Asim, I'm talking about discipline the whole time. You know, we have been trained about, about that as well because if we talk about the five daily prayers, we know that we have to be, uh, we have to wake up in the morning. Yes, we have to follow the timings as well, and the timings changes as soon the weather has changed as well. Not the weather, <coughs> but uh, the the month, etc. So, this is the thing Islam has prepared us right in the beginning already that discipline as well, and you know. I mean, Asim, to be honest, you will agree with me in that, that Islam places a great emphasis on the role of youth in shaping a prosperous future, recognizing the potential for development and efficiency. And because the greatest role model we have, Asim, is the Holy Prophet Muhammad right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. He was, in his young age, he needed to know how to swim, horse riding, and uh, he would walk, even at his young age, miles and kilometers. Uh, so you could see that he he is he was fit. So to be fit, Asim, I'm sure that you need um, activities as well. Uh, so as I said, the Holy Prophet Asim, he maintained his fitness even in a young age. So are there benefits if you already started to be active in a young age? So there there are quite a few benefits which I can mention. Is uh, first is improved physical health, which is the obvious one. So research, research indicates that early physical activity enhances muscular and um, skeletal development, leading to better overall 
physical health. Uh, the second would be uh, mental well-being also. A uh, study shows that exercise can improve mental health, uh, reducing symptoms of depression and anxiety in children, which is a common thing nowadays that depression has risen. So, of course, um, if you do sports at early age, um, it, you know, you can reduce the symptoms of depression and anxiety. Uh, also, enhanced academic performance. Uh, physical activities have been linked to improve cognitive function and academic achievement in school-age children. Another one is the social skills development. So participating in sports from a young age fosters social skills like teamwork and communication, which is, you know, um, you know, sports like football and cricket where you need a lot of teamwork and a lot of communication. So that can, you know, develop your skills in that. Also... Um, healthy lifestyle habits so early engagement in physical activities promotes lifelong health and fitness habits as we you know mentioned that yeah, you, you know awesome yesterday uh, I went to the GP for my daughter and I thought this gentleman his age was 60 mm-hmm. and he was standing right he was typing in his computer while standing he wasn't sitting on his chair okay and I was surprised to see that um because uh, I asked him, like, listen, you, you are looking very slim as well. So what exercise do you do? And he said, listen, um, everything I do, I try to be not to sit down. I try to maintain my health by being active. And uh, and I was surprised because, you know what, he he's basically, uh, he was sick. And I said, in our society, we don't see that so much because mm-hmm. in our society, it starts at the age of 45 where we say that our joints are hurting, etc. Right? Yeah. This is where we say our muscles and yeah. our bones mm-hmm. are starting hurting. And he said, yes, it's true. And it's because our diet is not perfect. And we are wasting too much. And he said that. We are wasting too much time watching news and this Pakistani Indian soaps. <laughs> he said, And he said that if you want to watch that, then make sure that your television is... Uh, on a level high up in the wall where it forces you to stand up, right? And he said that even what, if you watch any thought, try to um, um, do some exercise as well. Maybe next time we should tr- uh, try and stand up and do the show. Uh, um, absolutely, we can do it right now if you want to. <laughs> I mean, this is one thing, you know, uh, because he said, you know, he said, that sitting is, is the new smoking. He said, while you sit, Yes, you're causing some damage for, for your body as well. As the same way, not the same way, but also like smoking is damaging your body as well. In a different way, but it is basically the same thing. that. So it is a, it's a good reminder. We should do that. I mean, we should do our show maybe also while standing. Um, but, you know, I was surprised because in a young age, he did, uh, in the old age, he did that. And he said one thing to me as well, that he had uh, someone... Also from a DC society, she was uh, 45. Uh, she had problems on her joint as well. She never did any sports. And he told her, listen, start doing some exercise activities, right? And she started doing some activities. Now she is 50 and she's cycling. Oh, she never did this before. Really? So That's interesting. It is interesting. But also it reminded me that in a young age, this is the best way you, where you have the energy to do more. Absolutely. And this is where you should start. Um, and awesome. Uh, if you talk about young age, if you talk about 
uh, if we uh, talk about the community, the community has set up a pro- program for us as well that we can stay healthy as well. In a young age, we have the uh, auxiliary organization called Khudam al-Hamidiyya for the youngster man. And for uh, the ladies, we have Nasrat and Lajna Mala. And in both, in all these three auxiliary organizations, we try to keep ourselves healthy, right? right? We're taking part and doing exercise because we know it's important. It enables a person to stay fit. And, you know, everyone knows if a person is physically strong and healthy, he is also uh, able to do uh, more um, and also able to do better worship and fulfill the rights of Allah. Because, Asim, Dolly Prophet, peace be upon him, dear listeners, he has said, a strong believer is better and more beloved to Allah than a weak believer. Because, of course, if you are not weak, if you are not strong, if you are not active, you will have problem to um, worship Allah, to fulfill the rights to His creation as well. So you need to stay active. You need to stay healthy as well. This is one of the Islamic teachings. And this is what the Holy Prophet, peace be upon us, has reminded us many times as well. Um, but Asim, you know, I mean, there are so many sports we can do. I, I just added that um, snooker and golf are basically just hobbies for me. And I'm not adding motorsports into that <laughs> as well. I mean, to be honest, every kind of motorsports, I, I do watch motorsports, but I don't consider this a sport because I can do motorsports as well. I mean, with my car, of course. I'm not doing it. No one should, <laughs> no should do it, of course. But I am considered this as well. But if you disagree with me, and if you think this is a sport as well, or if you have any other idea which is very good to stay healthy, let us know. The number is 0286877787, or you can go on our social at Voice of Islam UK. Meanwhile, Asim, I'm asking you, what sports or physical activities do you think are very good for us, especially in the young age? So we, we can, you know, categorize them in different categories. Also, basically, like uh, if you look look up about uh, team sports, um, such as football, cricket or basketball, which can improve teamwork and social skills. If you're looking at um, in individual um, sports like swimming, tennis or athletics, which develop self-discipline and individual skills. Uh, also martial arts, which, you know, offers discipline, respect and self-defense skills. Um, let's say old or outdoor activities like uh, hiking, cycling, rowing, which you know, connects the youth with nature and promotes endurance. Um, gymnastics, so it, this enhances flexibility, balance and creative um, expression and also non-competitive activities like yoga or pilates which focuses on mental well-being and physical uh, fitness. Amazing. I mean, this is... Uh, cycling is something y- 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 we should do as well. Awesome. Yeah. What is you like? You are healthy as well. What's, what, you, what you do? So I, I like doing uh, football. Oh, you like doing football? Yeah, yeah. So I play football uh, sometimes on Fridays. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like going to the gym as well, like you. So <laughs> <laughs> this is new. This is new. Thank you. Yeah. I I didn't know that. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, no, um, but you do like uh, football as well. I mean, uh, to be honest, if you, do you do regular football? As you said, um, if you wouldn't do that regularly, would you feel kind of lazy, dizzy as well? Of course, of course. So what is your like thing? Like uh, people say, like. You should be active a day, uh, each day for 30 or 45 minutes. Yeah, half an hour at least, yeah. And I do know that uh, once I start doing my gym regularly, you can see the 
Uh, you know, you can see that you're more active, uh, you're less tired during the oh, days, okay. and it it, do, it does help you also uh, during your workouts as well. Uh, especially, you know, because um, well, I've also f- f- felt that I've got young children, mm-hmm. they're active as well. You have to run after them. Absolutely, you have to yeah. chase them, and yeah, yeah. you need to be for that. You need to be prepared and active yeah. as well. Uh, they, they never get tired, so yeah, they have this to, energy. I, yeah. sh- I wish I could have that as well. And dear listeners, um, I got a message from an anonymous person saying that motorsport is also a sport because a standard Grand Prix driver loses 2 kg per race and uh, also it's because of this physical stress of, of driving at 200 km per hour for more than 2 hours is not fitting in a bar so I now conclude including motorsports in sports as well <laughs> if you think the listeners that golf or um, uh, snookers should be considered as sports as well, or you, you think there are any other good sports which you should do as well, you can let us know. The number is 028-687-787, or you can go on our social at Voice or something. You can let us know your answer, what is the best thing you can do, and if you think that golf and snooker are sports as well, then let me know the answer and let so, me know the reason for that. Sile, in my opinion... Um, Ooh, I got an opinion now. <laughs> yeah, come on. Uh, golf would be uh, sort of sports because, uh, you know, you're... You're hitting the ball of long and mm. using your arms, arms you're losing using your legs as well. You have to stand, stand like this. You there so and, and you need to walk. Oh, no, no, you're driving basically to the next <laughs> part of the ball. Yeah, but someone else is holding you b- b- um, um, uh, sticks. But he, the person who's holding the stick, he's doing sports. So, exactly, yeah, why, exactly. why not? So it's sort no. of using your arms. You're have you ever arms. watched a golf game? No, no. Probably like a minute or two, and that's it. The only thing I know is that every ex-US president, if he's uh, nothing to do, in, uh, he will start <laughs> playing golf. Or if you are a professional football player like Bale, uh, you will start playing golf. He's good. Any hobbies? And he said it's a hobby. Oh, okay, well, anyhow, let me know your answer, guys. The number is 028-687-787, because Rashid, someone, his name is Rashid, he just messaged me that motorsports, is not a hobby it is sport as well and you lose at least you lose at least 2 kg uh, per race, per yeah. race. So, yes why not starting this I mean they make a lot of money as well but it's <laughs> not about money of course uh, it's not our money it's of about course. losing the fat losing the fat dear listeners um, we have, have a pre-recording as well from a member of our um, team as well and she will uh, describe us why staying healthy is important, especially in a young age. So do me a favor, stay in tune with the voice on radio and enjoy the pre-recording. We have here with us Halima. Assalamu alaikum, Halima. How are you? Uh, Wa alaikum salam. I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Jazakallah. So Halima, um, can you tell us, in your experience, what's the most evident benefit you observe when you're coaching children in sports? Um, so my experience is specifically with younger children, like primary and secondary school ages. Um, mm-hmm. One of the first benefits is, uh, I think, teamwork. So the kids normally, they have to warm up and practice together and they have to work as uh, groups to complete activities and games. So um, these kind of activities, they always bring out different characteristics in children. And as a coach, you can really observe the differences in all the children. So, for example, some kids prefer to take on a a motivating role within the team. And some prefer to take on a leading role. Some prefer to take on a following role. So with this information, it's very useful for me to be able to adapt my approach as a coach so that I I can tailor my advice to each student and um, really help each of them progress in their own way. Um, Mm -hmm. I think another benefit obviously is for keeping the kids active 
So now more than ever before, children um, have access to screens from a really, really young age. And um, clubs, after-school clubs, sports clubs, anything like that is a really good way to allow them some extra time away from these devices. That these devices often may drain their energy and create an unhealthy lifestyle. So to um, discourage that, I think, is a very important part. Amazing. So uh, can you tell us what are some of the best sports for young people to participate in and why? Um, I can speak from my own experience. Um, I would say martial arts is a very good um, option and I can explain why. So firstly, the self-defense and confidence aspect for students. So unfortunately, uh, nowadays, young people sometimes find themselves in unfortunate situations. For example, in school, um, bullying takes place or fights. Even in the streets, these kind of things can happen. And having a basic level of self-defense is very useful. It can also assure parents of their children's safety. Um, For example, uh, my parents encouraged me from a young age to take up a form of martial arts. And also, this has been encouraged by His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, um, for girls, especially in this day and age, um, to take up some form of uh, martial arts. And I'd say that secondly, um, a lot of martial art practices were actually developed hundreds of years ago, and they have a spiritual aspect to them. So in, nowadays, they teach uh, discipline and mindfulness within the martial arts. So these values, if they're instilled into children at a young age, I think they can be very transferable and can help them in all fields of life, such as uh, studies and social life. And I've experienced this myself, and I'd say that it's really true. So, so you mentioned about your parents encouraging you from a very young age. So do you have any advice for parents um, in terms of how can parents actually support their children in getting physically active? Yeah, um, so of course I'd say that if uh, the schools that your children are attending, if they're providing free after-school clubs or um, before-school clubs, these can definitely be put into use. Um, Obviously, this should be keeping in mind the children's preferences and um, of what they would like to do. And sports aren't always for everyone. Some children won't enjoy it. So in this case, um, I'd suggest maybe like on weekends, family walks and um, games in the park and things like that are also a really good way of involving kids in family time and getting some physical activity in for both the parents and the children. Totally, yes. So have you been involved in any women's sports events in the Ambia community? Yeah, so um, I'm really aware of the opportunities that the women provide in the Ambia community. I've been involved in um, the international volleyball tournament that takes place every year. So teams from around the world, America, Canada, Netherlands, France, Belgium. There's a lot of teams that come to the UK uh, to play at uh, to Mosque, our main mosque in London. And the competition gets very intense. It's really entertaining. And um, I think it's a really good initiative that's been taken by our community. Also, at a local level, there's been um, regular weekly classes in different sports, such as uh, badminton and netball, um, football as well. Um, They also arrange trips. For example, there was a uh, hiking trip to Snowdonia in Wales. And on, on top of this, other things are at our um, annual auxiliary conventions. There are sports activities that are held. And probably the largest sporting event um, is the annual sports day that's held in July with athletics competitions and other fun activities for the younger girls. Yes, amazing. Well, thank you so much for, for being part of this. Um, we look forward to having you on again. Jazakallah. Thank, oh, thank you. you. Jazakallah.
In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show. You were just listening to one of our pre-recordings with Halima, who is a university student. And since her young age, as he has mentioned us already, she is involved in martial arts and she's also training young people. I mean, she's sad, awesome. Doing martial arts it teaches you to self-defense yourself. Uh, giving, it's giving you courage. That's about it. And I mean, you know my niece, for example, she's doing martial arts as well. She's seven, and I mean, this is something uh, I was uh, thinking, you know, about my daughter as well. Uh, but she is right. I mean, if you you have encouraged, you have the strength to speak up as well sometimes, and you can that self defense is it's very important yeah, in this definitely. society. Um, but coming, you know, uh, she she's talking also. She was talking also about the events she, she was involved, uh, which were held by the community as well. And uh, she also explained the reason why training in the young age as well, children, to encourage them as well. Uh, this always reminds me that how the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, how he has, in a young age, already has prepared himself to be physically active, uh, like he did swimming, we know that. He was very good in archery as well. And swimming, also, for example, Hassan. This is something, you know, everyone would, say, everyone would encourage you to do so. Absolutely, definitely. You can see that you're literally engaging the whole body, every yeah. single muscle in your body, and striving to go forward, you know. And it's basically a full body workout, which is so great for your body. And you can become so fit and lose a lot of fat as well. Uh, you said it's like a full body exercise. Um, for, for I mean, for starters, for example, you start swimming from one point to the other point. You are, I mean, you need so much stamina. You realize it even after a few seconds that you don't have to stamina. It's it's basically. I'm pretty sure that you need more stamina for swimming than football, and and to, to, you know when you see the Olympics, when you see these people swimming from one point to the other point, and with that speed, you you see that this is something you know. Um, you need exercise for that. You, you can practice. see a difference if you look at all the swimmers. They're really slim and fully well, toned. Well, yes. But in sometimes in football, you can get examples who are not that great fit, who are a bit overweight. But in swimming, this is not the case. You cannot be unfit, you know, to become you a swimmer. Need, you have to. You have to. You need to have this diet as well exactly. for swimming. That where you can be sure that you're not gaining any fat. You just mentioned football. <coughs> Sorry for that, dear listener. Footballer, there are few footballers who have gained uh, weight during the uh, career as well. We had Eden Hazard. We had R9, Ronaldo as well, who gained uh, um, mass as well, a lot of mass. But And for that, they couldn't pursue their career. I mean, Eden Hazard just uh, quit and he just ended his career, football career. And Ronaldo also realized that his body is not working anymore and he can't um, keep up the uh, the discipline, the diet, so he had to end his career as well, even though he was he had reached everything. But in swimming, you know, this is something you can do in the age of 50 years old well, and you will enjoy. Uh, and uh, you realize that this is something it keeps you healthy as well. And swimming is something you should, you should know how to do it anyways. Definitely. Yeah. So, <clears throat> dear listeners, um, as I said, we had one uh, answer already from a person called Rashid, for our brother, <laughs> who's 
convinced me that motorsport is a sport as well. If you have uh, any sports in your idea or any activity you think is very crucial for us to do, especially in a young age, we had Halima Saba who spoke about martial arts, that is also very important that we should start doing in a young age. Let us know your answer. The number is 0208-687-7878. And you can go on our social at Voice of Islam UK. Uh, we will go for a short break. And then after, of course, the news break, we will come back with our first guest as well. So do me a favor, stay tuned with the Voice of Islam Radio and don't go anywhere. Allah. Allah. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show on the Voice of Islam Radio. Awesome and me, we were just talking about activity, about physical activity, why to stay healthy in a young age, awesome. And we were also talking about um, how community, I think many Muslim community encouraged um, our youngsters to stay healthy as well. And uh, also, therefore, the community has organized and has held uh, many, many um, uh, events where we could participate in different physical activities. Um, awesome. Uh, you, you remember the times when uh, the uh, um, Muslim Youth Auxiliary Organization would held these events. I mean, uh, you're still a member of that. I'm you're still, still young. young. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I never, never doubt that. <laughs> um, I mean, it's very interesting. You need to see people coming from different backgrounds and participating in these different activities. Uh, it is like um, we say always brotherhood as well. And uh, the difference between us and uh, sometimes which we see in the television is that we maintain this brotherhood as well. Even though we don't know them, even though we are uh, opponents, but you won't see any hatred uh, in uh, doing these activities, doing these uh, competitions. Absolutely. It's actually really fun, especially when we have the annual um, gathering, um, which we have for three days. And, you know, we come together, listen to these different speeches, um, uh, have sports, play football and do some gym arm wrestling and different kind of sports which is a lot of fun and you know you meet new brothers who you haven't probably not seen in the whole year who come you know from up and down the country so it it is really actually fun to meet uh, it, it is you say it's fun as well i mean you see people you see your brothers from which you haven't seen for a long time and then you can participate in different competitions as well you just mentioned arm wrestling football basketball we have cricket and we have kabaddi as well oh yes yes i mean for those who don't know what kabaddi is i actually even don't know what kabaddi is but <laughs> i've seen it it's kind of a wrestling as well with two teams uh, each t uh, team is made of five people. Uh, what they do is that they send one of their uh, member to the opponent's side and he tries to touch the other people there from the opponent and try to run back on uh, back to his side. But if he's catched, um, they won't lose the point. If he's not catched, they will gain a point. So it's very interesting as well the way they try to keep other other way apart from. It's very interesting as well. I mean, you see that even that you need a lot of stamina as well. And you that need to go. originated from India. 
originally from India and is yeah. now here as well. And they have even like because I got so much interest into that. It's very interesting to watch this. You can have YouTube li uh, links as well. Where they have also hold World Cup. So this is something you know. As I said, you come to know about new games as well, which you m didn't know or we never have heard about it. And these things are very interesting. And but awesome. Also, it corrects you that, for example, you have lost one competition and you want to win the cup. So you prepare yourself for a whole year. Yes. As I said, uh, you go to this discipline, you try to maintain uh, the diet as well, only to win for the next year as well. Absolutely, it's it's very important. Like if if even if you lose some games, then you can prepare the whole year, and you know, and you know, become better, and then or you know, come to the next year's competitions, and then of course, hopefully, win something. And that's the thing, you know, um, it encourages you. if you fall. It says stand up. I mean, this is the community. What it says: if you fall, stand up, uh, go again, uh, and um, do better next time. I mean, just don't give up. Um, it is not the end of the world, of course. And then you have a whole year to prepare yourself uh, and uh, to get ready for the next competition. This is what basically also Islam teaches us. This, you know, when we talk about this physical engagement to stay physical healthy as well it is only that we realize that when we fall only because we need to stand up again and we need to do better than we need to get stronger uh, for that as well and awesome i mean uh we're talking about the auxiliary organizations um we're talking uh I mean, which was founded by the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya muslim movement and especially about um the youth organization we have this slogan, which is basically a quote from the second caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community, nations cannot be reformed without the reformation of the youth. I mean, you know, these words have not only become the main slogan of, of the uh, Ahmadi Muslim Youth Association, but also have become the basis of its activities and schemes, you know, that um, how, whatever it is that you know that when you improve, you will not only improve yourself, but also you will improve the nation as well. So you see, dear listener, so starting in a young age to be healthy, to follow a discipline, um, to keep yourself active is not only good for yourself, but for the nation as well you love so much as well. So you help your nation to prosper as well. And every society, awesome, if you look in every society, you know that the future lies on the younger generation. Absolutely, definitely. Um, adding on to that, um, you know, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, narrated in one of his narrations that, uh, you know, um, the strong believer is better and more beloved than the weak believer, while there is good in both. So we can see that, um, um, you know, physical well-being is, is so important uh, at, at a young age. Um, there's also a narration that, um, you know, your body has a right over you, which is mentioned in Sayyid Bukhari. So we can see that how, uh, you know, the teachings advocate for balanced lifestyle, emphasizing, you know, the importance of maintaining physical health and engaging in physical activities and leading, uh, uh, you know, a life of moderation. Indeed. And um, that is, you know, we just mentioned as well. I mean, this is the thing, you know, in the end we need as well. as um, And... I believe, you know, Asim, if, for example, yeah, just for example, someone missed this in his young age, couldn't do that in his young age, the listener doesn't matter. You can start any time. 
I mean, it's never too late. Never yeah. too late. Learn how to swim. Learn how to bicycle, and just go for it. Go for a ride for forty-five minutes. I mean, start slowly, slowly increase it, increase it, and then you see, you realize uh, how your body will change as well. That you will become more active. You you will be able to do more things as well. Um, and uh, this is very important. This is like a message, as and me are trying to give out that not only watching football is enough. But also playing and, and uh, <coughs> being part of it is also very important. And uh, listen, uh, I mean, there are so many sports uh, you can do. Team sports are like cricket, basketball, football. Then there are Batman as well. Tennis is also interesting. Motorsports are also very interesting. <laughs> and of course, if you think that golf and um, snooker should be included in this as well, then you need to let me know why. The number is 0286877878. Or you can go on our social voice of Samuko. And if you think there's one also good activity we should know, we should carry on, then do let me know as well. Um, the listeners, diet is health very important. Uh, healthy uh, lifestyle also very important. Um, with that, um, I think we want to conclude our first segment. Um, we will go now for a short break, and um, then we will start with our second segment. Three proofs of the truthfulness of the Prophet Messiah. One, in a hadith of the Holy Prophet of Islam, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he has said that there will be two signs in the support of the Mahdi that have never occurred before since the creation of the heavens and the earth. These two signs are eclipses that would occur on very specific days during the month of Ramadan. In 1894, a few years after Hazrat Ghulam Ahmed made his claim of being the Prophet Messiah, India and the subcontinent were witnesses to an eclipse that had occurred on the first of the three days of the full moon and in Ramadan. In the following year, in 1895, the USA had witnessed an eclipse that had occurred on the second of the three days of the full moon again in Ramadan. Now we know eclipses aren't something that can be man-made, nor is there any technology on the planet that could create such a spectacle. So this has to be the work of God. This is clear, undeniable evidence in support of the truthfulness of the promised Messiah. 2. Performing miracles is commonly associated with prophethood. Jesus is said to have healed the sick, Moses is said to have parted the sea, and Jonah is said to have survived the belly of the whale. On one occasion, during the time of the promised Messiah, there was one student named Abdul Karim who fell severely ill with rabies. Now at that time, there was absolutely no cure nor any medication that could heal Abdul Karim. So the Promised Messiah prayed for the recovery of the student and Abdul Karim made a miraculous recovery. Now, without any human intervention, this can only be attributed to the work of God. A second miracle during the time of the Promised Messiah is how he had perfected the Arabic language overnight. Now, how long would it take me or you to learn a language? Some years? Even people with degrees find it difficult to call themselves experts in the language. The Promised Messiah received a revelation of 40,000 Arabic words overnight, a language that is commonly known to be one of the most complicated languages in the world. This can, again, only be attributed to the work of God in support of the truthfulness of the Promised Messiah. 3. We can see from the history of the Prophets that they have always been victorious in their claims and their missions. Similarly, the Promised Messiah has been victorious in his claims and his missions. The Promised Messiah received a prophecy from God that I shall cause thy message to reach the corners of the earth. Now the Promised Messiah received this prophecy in a rural village in India in Guardian, an unknown town to the world. Now we can see that a little over a hundred years later, 
his message and his claim has reached over 200 countries around the world. This is nearly every country on the planet. Now who can now say that his message has not reached the corners of the earth? These are clear proofs of the truthfulness of the Prophet Messiah. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show on the Voice of Islam Radio. My name is Shah Amir Ahmed and I'm here joined with Asim Hashmi. Asim, why are Gazans extending thanks to South Africa? Uh, I mean, we have seen well, the amazing thing the lawyers of South Africa have done in the ICG, ICJ. Sorry. So what is, what is the gist of the story? So the gist is that from a Palestinian in Gaza, thank you, South Africa. That's what it says. They say we will never forget how you showed us unwavering support and bravely took a stand for us at the World Court when even our own brothers turned their backs on us in fear. Public hearings in South Africa's genocide case against Israel began on Thursday at the International Court of Justice, ICJ, in The Hague, the Netherlands, on January 11, 2024. Uh, on the first day of the trial, South Africa presented hard evidence in the case it filed on December 29, uh, accusing Israel of violation of the UN Gen Genocide Convention when it's action in the Gaza Strip since October 7th. I mean, uh, South Africa is an amazing country. I mean, it's rich of culture, rich of wildlife as well. And, you know, to be honest, Asim, and those, dear listeners, if you are fed up to see all these animals on your postcards, then go to South Africa and see them by real, by life. I mean, see the cheetah running and see the ostrich, the longest, tallest uh, bird on, uh, in the world. Uh, it is amazing um, uh, to see all these uh, things and uh, these animals. And we will, uh, shortly, the listeners, we will have someone from South Africa as well speaking about these things, especially the crisis we see in Gaza as well. Um, but Asim, um, we, we, we have seen this and we have seen this coming in the sense that the Holiness, he has warned the world leaders as well about that. Uh, He's been warning us for 15, 20 years about, um, uh, you know, world war, which is looming. And we can see the consequences now that people are not listening. People need to listen. And uh, as, as you said, Sahil, you're, you're against any type of war, any, any, type anything. Type of in killing of innocent people. Exactly, yeah. And, and uh, listeners, um, it has been confirmed by a press release from the court that the ICJ will deliver its order on South Africa versus Israel this Friday at 12 p.m. Uh, and remember, uh, that is not a final decision on what, whether or not Israel has committed genocide, a final ruling on which could take years. Now, of course, this is just a r r ruling and ordering provisional measures against Israel to protect against further severe and irreparable harm to the rights of Palestinian people under the Genocide Convention and to ensure Israel's compliance with the ob ob its obligations under the Genocide Convention not to engage in genocide and to prevent and to punish genocide. So, best uh, case scenario, ICG orders an immediate ceasefire. Worst case is, ICG dismissed South Africa's case, f which is now, of course, which will really be sad for me. And but as I said, you know, Africa, South Africa is an amazing country. And awesome, which we, uh, which is that um, Gaza is something, uh, or the Middle East has been a place where we have seen this crisis as well. 
Uh, and uh, but on the Islamic perspective, as I said, uh, this holiness he spoke about this as well, uh, especially um, about uh, the rights of innocent people to maintain them as well. Um, and right now, Gaza is saying thank you to South Africa for it has everything we just done for it, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. So. Um, as as you mentioned, you know South Africa did take Israel to the highest court in the United Nations uh, on charges of genocide. They are one of the few nations who have taken actions against against Israel at a national and legal level in regards to the current Israel and Palestine conflict. Uh, South Africa and a group of the country's most qualified individuals um, compiled the 84 long list of war crimes committed by. Israel against Palestine, Palestinians to be presented to the United Nations along with re- relevant evidence. So this crucial step could potentially lead to a ceasefire, we hope, uh, after months of recent conflicts on the Gaza Strip uh, due to much needed support in light of the lack of action taken by other nations. Gaza has extended their tanks to South Africa. And um, of course the uh as I said, South Africa <clears throat> is a nation, you know, it has gone through this as well. Uh, it has seen by himself as well. And, you know, this is the thing that um, His Holiness has always said, that we should look at history as well. We shouldn't commit the same mistakes as well. And, of course, we should fulfill the rights and interests of others um, as well, isn't it? Awesome. Absolutely, yes, yes, definitely. I mean, for for example... Um, um, you know, Hazu, uh, His Holiness has given guidance uh, by you know fulfilling rights and interests of others uh, further afield instead of traveling upon a path of justice and integrity we have seen time and time again that the world major's power has been concerned only uh, with f- fulfilling their own rights whether they side to side uh, with the muslim governments or the opposition groups is not uh, dictated by what is fair and what is right rather only by which party better serves their own interests. So yet, according to Islam, our desire and motivation to fulfill our own interests should always be matched by our desire and motivation to fulfill the rights and interests of others. If acted upon, this is the golden principle that will unlock uh, the door to true peace and security. So this teaching is the modest, is the model of democracy that Islam uh, champions. Uh, in every society, there's a mutual trust and obligation placed upon all people. And for the society to function successfully, it is necessary to for uh, normal citizens and the leaders to fulfill their responsibilities uh, towards each other with true justice. So if these principles have been adhered to in, uh, in the Muslim world, then we would never have seen the conflict and division that are uh, you know, prevalent in many countries. So he said, I personally believe this Quranic principle to have universal value and to be of benefit across the world and not just in Muslim countries. Um, when it comes to that as well, uh, to the golden words, his holiness has mentioned many, many times and has warned the world leaders as well about um uh, about these ongoing conflicts which we see which can get bigger as well and which can involve the whole world but before we do so dear listeners um, I know we I promise we will have uh, guests as well but we had some problems but right now I'm pretty sure that we have one guest 
which will is going going to be our first guest on the show. We have Miss Catherine Ravi, uh, who's a legal researcher and advocacy outreach coordinator at Law for Palestine. Catherine is a former human rights legal researcher at Al Haq, and she holds a master's degree in human rights law from UCL and a BA in psychology from Saint Olaf College. Previously, she worked in litigating civil rights violation and supporting advocacy in for immigrant survivors at the Tahiri Justice Center and supporting NGOs in India and North Ireland. The listener Catherine is dedicated to promoting justice and engendering and gen, sorry and gendering human rights. Catherine, uh, good morning and welcome to the breakfast show. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Um Catherine, uh, uh, while I was reading your bio, um, it is amazing, and especially the last part, uh, that uh, you are dedicating yourself to promote justice. I always say that right now we live in an injustice world, and it is you need a lot of courage to um, maintain or to advocate justice, especially in this day and age. Yes, absolutely, and, and it's... Uh You know, it's not an easy thing to foster, especially in a legal system that doesn't exactly reward that kind of courage and often <laughs> there's a lot of barriers into it. Um, and we're seeing that certainly in the new, in the ICJ case that's being brought against Israel in the context of um, of its genocide in Gaza. And you're talking about um, Israel and about the ICJ. I mean, we have seen that, uh, everyone has seen it, South Africa's... Uh, that is the only country uh, who has taken this as government to court for war crimes. Um, and uh, the sad thing is all the Arab nations, they have been silent. They haven't speaking about this. So um, I just want to know what is the significance of their stance for their war and why do they seem to be the only ones taking a stand? I, I think it's important to recognize that they're, they're not alone in this. There have been, although they are the first to have, you know, brought this course or this for the ICJ, um, there's been a lot of support from other countries. We've seen this from the Arab League, the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, which is, you know, has 57 members. Also, more specifically, from Turkey, Jordan, Brazil, Pakistan, uh, Namibia, Nam sorry, Namibia, uh, and, and and lots of others. I mean, even uh, you know, Bolivia originally brought their this this case or requested uh, this case to the International Criminal Court. Um, so we have seen a lot of international support for this because I think one thing is, that's important to recognize is that there is a populist cause for Palestine. I think the world has been seeing what's happening in Gaza and has, um, you know, although a lot of our media from, from Western outlets like the U.S., the U.K., Germany, You know, they, although they've used their power and influence to support Israel uh, and in the eyes of the public, we have to keep in mind that most of the world, the majority of, of people are sided with, with Palestine. Mm. You know, that being said, this is still a hugely significant and historic stance that South Africa is taking. And It's also important to remember that South Africa is a post-apartheid country mm -hmm. and that, you know, they are trying to, they've, they've gone a long ways in addressing their own colonial and white supremacist roots. And so I think they are taking a stand against Israel, which they have seen as implementing an apartheid system in Palestine. And... Um, uh 
because everyone is keen to know uh, what will the ICG decide. Uh, what do you think? Like, um, I know it will take years, but what do you think will be the final um, decision? Well, there's a few things. So the case that South Africa brought is, of course, um, about genocide and, and asking the court to ultimately decide if what Israel is committing is genocide. That indeed will take time, definitely a year. However, South Africa has also asked for our preliminary measures. And this is sort of like an injunction. You know, these are emergency orders that South Africa has asked the court um, basically to take a stand and intervene and prevent the incredible loss of life and catastrophic events place right now. And that is set to uh, be decided on Friday. So tomorrow. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I know the world is, is waiting to find out what that will be. I think Israel has a long history of um, avoiding international legal mechanisms have not abided by previous um, decisions by the ICJ and other legal mechanisms. So I don't think expecting full implementation if the court was to decide affirmatively for preliminary measures. However, it's it's still an important step for justice and promoting accountability in the international legal system. And um, I mean, again, you know, you're talking about justice. And this is the thing because um, I, I think this is what we need very much in this day and age. But um, we haven't like haven't seen any much for it about it in this day and age. And history tells us that we have seen so many crises and we haven't learned anything from it. And now we see South Africa push for justice uh, to implement in our own lives. Um, is there any lesson we can learn now and we should uh, fo uh, follow that lesson as well? I mean, I think we can learn a lot of lessons from this. I think, you know, as you mentioned in the beginning, it takes a lot of courage to stand up to impunity and, you know, ask for accountability um, where it matters. Um, you know, and, it, and, and you know, it's that is that uh, South Africa brought this case before the world and had the, the courage and power to stand up to you know, not only Israel, but its allies, which are very strong and mm. loud, a.k.a. the U.S., mm. the U.K., mm. and, you know, and to really fight this and, and ask for justice and improvement. And I think what we're really seeing, what this whole case is about, is it's really more about the effectiveness of international law and of international human rights. You know, is this a system that can actually stand up to such horrors that we have seen happening in Gaza. And I think South Africa has taken that uh, to the world with the question. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it's something that we can all in, you know, integrate in our own lives and recognizing that it's often doing, often doing the right thing is the hardest thing, but is certainly the most important and is necessary for ensuring this world has equity and justice. Uh, you said like the uh, the right thing to do is is maybe sometimes the hardest thing you can do. But for example, there's someone like me, my co-host Asim, and one of our listeners. He's right now saying that I want to do the right thing. So, what is the best step I can do to stand up for justice and to to do my part to help those in need? Well, I think there are a lot of things that we can do um, in our lives. I think, and, and, and they are inherently, you know, political. I think it's important to be writing to your government officials, regardless of their parties, 
to call for a ceasefire to ask for greater political action on this. You know, that really is such an important step in this. I also think boycotting is a huge part of this. There are a lot of corporations, companies that have been contributing to Israel's actions overseas, especially even in terms of munition and financing a lot of the the bombs and artillery that's being used to, to kill Palestinians. And boycotts um, are, go a long way in, show, in kind of using our, our cash as, um, as, a, as a ballot, I suppose, and kind of thwarting those powers. Um, I also think, you know, protesting is really important. Using your, your presence on the streets goes a long way. We've seen incredible action across the globe of people doing this, mm-hmm. and that's, that can't be understated its importance. But I do think, you know, it's important for everyone to be willing to talk about Palestine and understanding that, you know, it can be a volatile topic, but it's important to speak out and even using social media platforms to amplify uh, Palestinian voices and, and really a lot of the rhetoric that is being produced by Palestinians to talk about what's happening to them. I mean, those messages need to get out. It is important to be a conduit for those kind of narratives. Um, that's what really fosters change in this in this world. Myth, Catherine, um, thank you for your thought. It was very amazing listening to you and um, and for your advice as well. I wish you all the best for the future as well. And hopefully one day we can have you again in the breakfast. So thank you for joining. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. And dear listeners, we were talking with Miss Catherine about the case of South Africa who brought up everything to the ICJ. I mean, we just said South Africa is an amazing country. Amazing culture, amazing wildlife. People should go and should visit that country as well. Um, I, I said it. I always say, if you are fed up to see all these animals on your postcard, go and see it by <laughs> yourself. Go to South Africa. You will find many, many of these animals over there. Um, and now talking about South Africa, we have now Anna Salmetsky with us who is um, a political theorist and works as a senior lecturer and the program governor of the MP Hill in Urban uh, urban Studies at the African Center of Societies at the University of Cape Town and part of the South Africa Jews for Palestine, and which is an organization of South African uh, Jews working towards a just and peaceful end to the conflict in historic Palestine. Um, Ms. Anna Salmetsky, uh, Assalamu alaikum, may the peace and blessings of Allah be with you. Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Good morning to you, alaikum salam, and good morning to your listeners. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I hope you're enjoying your uh, Tub Shvat. This is how you call it. You, uh, <laughs> tub Shvat, yes. yes. So it's basically... It's the beginning of the spring, essentially, yes. And this is basically uh, always celebrated in the f- uh, 15th of Shvat, isn't it? Um, well, you know what? I'm not the, your best expert okay. <laughs> on on the Judaic side of it. I I've long forgotten the rules since my Jewish schooling, but um, but I'm sure. Uh, but we did have uh, a Tubishvat celebration in Johannesburg yesterday, and I'll I'll mobilize my colleagues to inform you about. <laughs> And uh, I've seen in your Instagram site that you have done this as also uh, uh, for the people in Palestine. Um, Absolutely. I mean, this is amazing that, um, you know, see uh, people always say that, um, I mean, this is, you know, speaking up for the innocent people to stand up mm. for them. And um, I've seen your site as well. You guys are doing basically an amazing job as well. Um, 
Everyone knows what happened is happening in Gaza. Uh, I just want to know your opinion about that. Mm. Yes, thank you so much for asking. So um, I, I think it's it's been very important uh, for us as the South African Jews for a Free Palestine as the organization to to emphasize and put out very clear messages from our vantage point about what is going on in Gaza and the West Bank and um, and the historic Palestine. We have said since the very beginning or since uh, evidence was uh, coming out of that area that um, Israel is committing genocide um, through cutting food aid, basic infrastructure, um, through making it impossible for even those who are trying to heed uh, the call of the Zionist entity to leave their homes in Gaza, even they were bombed. Uh, even the President of the United States, which we all know is in full support of uh, the Zionist entity, um, declared that uh, Israel is deploying indiscriminate bombing. So so we find it very important to, to express uh, that message from the vantage point of, um, as your previous guest emphasized as well, uh, the the vantage point of a post-apartheid country, but also from the vantage point of Jews. We want to make it very clear that the genocide is not committed in our name and that, yes, please go ahead. I mean, I believe that it's obviously not committed in the name of uh, Jewism because I I'm, I've studied Judaism as well. I'm not saying I'm an expert, but I know for a mm-hmm. fact that your religion is based on peace. And okay. I totally see the opposite. So is it right to say that this is basically Zionism and not Judaism? Because Zionism, like you said, Joe Biden himself called himself as a Zionism as well, saying that you don't have to be a Jew to be a Zionist. Oh. So um, <laughs> I think um, there are two different things which we see right now. But um, I, I just wanted to see as a Jew, how do you feel when you see that people are committing that falsely under you under the name of oh. your religion? Yes, it's it's extremely sad and frustrating, and um, both both in South Africa and abroad, as you say, uh, the biggest concern, aside, of course, from what is going on, um, the the war crimes and and genocide, it it is made possible because people conflate over and over and again, people conflate Zionism with Judaism. And we want to say loud and clear that, of course, Judaism has thousands of histories and Zionism is a very, very recent episode in that history. And it was never an uncontentious episode either, right? So we know mm. that Zionism started out as a as a, a affection, as a small group of um, frankly, ethno-nationalist Jews, um, Zionism was informed by European Western Enlightenment principles, and it was informed by that era's um, paradigm of the nation-state. And that is, of course, as you, uh, as a student of Judaism, well know, is is even in contradiction to uh, the religious idea of when a state mm. of Israel can be born, which is, of 
course, attached to the messianic idea. But more uh, in terms of, of more secular ideas, I think what, what has to be emphasized is that Zionism is essentially a racist ideology, and we oppose that firmly, just as much as we oppose racism in the apartheid. And, and you, you, talk, you just mentioned racism. This is one thing, you know. Mm. Um, people say that when I say something like, listen, um, I don't agree with Israel, they say, oh, you're a racist, you're an anti-Semitic. Mm -hmm. and, and, exactly. and recently what happened is uh, that uh, the vice chancellor of Germany, now listen to that, Germany's vice chancellor said that uh, anti-Semitic has been imported to Europe from the Arab nations, from the no. Muslim migrants. I mean, how can this be? I didn't know what to say because, first of all, he's a German chancellor. Germany, who is a genocidal country, unfortunately, who has yeah. committed genocide. And now, how can be Arab Semitic when he's basically from the same race? I mean, I couldn't understand that. I just wanted to know your thought about that. That's an outrageous claim. And even in terms of the very history of the Middle Eastern region, we know full well that, of course, before Zionism took root and before uh, the Jewish settlement of historic Palestine started, um, Palestinians and other people of Arabic descent lived very peacefully with Jews who were, the, the very few Jews uh, who were in that area. So that's just a misreading uh, and misconstruction of, uh, or misconstruence of, of history and, and it should be Uh, called out for that. Uh, definitely should be because you, I mean, you are Jew. I'm a Muslim, and we can understand each other very well. I mean, and seeing that you guys are standing up for you Muslim brothers, I just show that we can basically live together. I mean, uh, talking about uh, thought uh, about uh, the Gaza and the case of my co-host, he has a question as well for you. Uh, so, Miss Anna, um, do you think that South Africa uh, going to court is going to be effective? We very much hope so. Um, I think, uh, of course, the the impact um, probably has to be read as as um, many different kinds of impact, right? Because uh, one thing is the legal decision, which we cannot really predict, but hope, but we will know at least in terms of the provisional measures tomorrow. Um, but but when it comes to what's the political geopolitical Impact. Uh, I think it is already t uh, having an effect in terms of of the the global uh, solidarity movement. In terms of proving that countries can stand up to the um, and and challenge the current geopolitical setup, where where the U.S. and and the U.K. and others through the UN system dictates um, how this conflict um, can play out. I think it's very important that from a from an African and global Southern perspective, a challenge is posed to that. And, uh, and we have seen already um, that the non-aligned movement in their uh, recent uh, convention um, or convening condemned Israel's actions, genocidal actions, and have supported South Africa's ICJ case. So I think it, it has major significance that, that these um, 
groupings which are an alternative to the kind of big power game of uh, international politics stand up and and show an alternative and show that other voices and other power structures exist. I mean, um, it is a powerful move from South Africa. And of course, um, I mean, heads up to Africa and everyone is respecting new country. Um, you know, Anna, one thing I just want to know is that, right, um, because we are running out of time, but I just want to know, you know, we want peace in this world, right? We, we're hoping for mm. world peace and you're just talking about governments as well. What should government do? What should they do to avoid wars in the future and to maintain peace in the society, in the world? So I think I'll link my answer to this question to the previous one, because another effect of, of um, especially if the ruling is uh, positive in terms of South Africa's case, so in, if the ruling is that provisional uh, measures are, uh, the requested measures are granted, that means that it will be very hard for other countries to keep supporting genocidal Israel Right, and mm. so we can hope that that governments will realign. We can hope that they will change their position, at, and at the minimum, will stop uh, arms sales to Israel. Will stop supporting uh, in terms of of uh, military aid, or or uh, yeah, like I said just now, uh, arms sales, um, but also uh, publicly. So I I do predict that that um, some realignment in those uh, terms will happen. And when it comes to to the solidarity movement, which which as your previous guest rightly said, is growing and is present when it comes to to societies, even mm. if their governments aren't in support of the Palestinian cause, I think it's very important to keep pressurizing our governments and and keep showing that the Palestinian cause is a valid one and that it's supported worldwide. And as um, as a fellow South African Jew, Stephen Friedman says, looking back, you know, now now we think that um, the anti-apartheid movement in South Africa has always been supported by external powers and internationally. That's not the case. Um, that shifted when at uh, after the Sharpeville massacre, when mm. when it was mm. very difficult to keep denying the exactly. the violent nature of uh, the apartheid, and so something like that might be happening now, and so it's very important to keep supporting the boycott of of genocidal Israel. Uh, I mean, you, your um, organization is doing already something tomorrow as well. You will have a unity cup as well for the solidarity of. Palestine, um, and this is why you're just talking that organizations are speaking up and in support of Palestine, which is amazing. And I hope <coughs> that um, you guys become successful as well, and that we can somehow then also see world peace in the society as well. Um, Anna, uh, thank you for joining the breakfast show. Um, it was really lovely speaking to you, and I just can't wait to have you again in the breakfast show. And to, um, but for now, I wish you all the best for the future as well. And uh, thank you very much. And yeah. It was great talking to you. Same as well. And thank may you. there be peace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, you listeners, we just listened to uh, Anna Zelmetsky, who is a member of, um, which is called uh, South Africa Jews for Free Palestine, and uh, asked him 
if you go on, on the Insta, you can see that they are basically very active as well. And you yes, s- yes, they are. And you see that it's basically people think that um, Jews are against Palestine, Jews are against Muslims, but which is totally wrong. She said it as well. You look at the history, you see that Muslim and Jews have lived peaceful for a long time in for Europe, time, also yeah. in New Zealand. Exactly. And if you've got marches in London in every country where Jews are actually uh, protesting, you know, against the genocide. And the funny thing is that people just don't know that Jews and Arabs, Muslims, they are basically brothers or let's say cousins as well. So they are somehow related as well. If you look in the um, history as well, you, you see that. So, yes, it's a good point. Uh, it's a good thing that they stand up in solidarity of humanity because in Palestine, in Gaza, Muslims, Christian and Jews are dying, have been killed by the Zionist movement and we hope it comes to an end. Uh, we hope to see peace in that uh, part of the world in the Middle East, but not only there, but in the whole world as well. Um, we had great guests for that who gave us you thought about, uh, their thought about us as well. We had, again, Anna Zalmetsky just recently and Catherine Revy. Uh, both of them spoke about the, the South Africa case as well and how to maintain peace as well on what we can do as well. Do you listen if you want to listen to that again you can do so on SoundCloud. Or if you want to learn more about Islam, you can stay in tune with the voice of Islam radio or you can turn in tomorrow at the same time. Um meanwhile, um we have to go now because the time is running out. Uh, we are reaching the hours. Dear listeners, thank you for joining as well. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, Atham, and thank you for our technical guy, uh, support as well.